Clarita here, and I've got a new sponsor, DistroKid. If you want to release your music into the world, DistroKid's the easiest way to get your music into all the major streaming platforms, unlimited uploads, and keep 100% of your royalties. And because you're a Design Freaks listener, you get 30% off. Go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash Design Freaks. DistroKid. Welcome to the show. Uh, welcome new listeners. Thanks for listening and welcome back. Those of you who um, have listened before, my name is Clarita. I am a Seattle graphic designer at a local arts college. Um, I do work at a nonprofit and I wanted to record this intro just to let people know up top that um, if you want to, there is a donate button on my website, designfreakspodcast.com. If you can leave a little tip, um, little donation, it would really be appreciated. Uh, leave a little salami as a treat. Um, so, yeah, for the new listeners, this is a podcast about uh, graphic design in the music industry, album covers and whatnot. You know, you've already clicked on it, probably figured that out. Um, yeah, and <clears throat> speaking of donations, I just wanted to say a special thank you uh, for a very generous donor. Um, it came from uh, a listener. He owns a store called Mixed Species. It's at Mixed Species on Instagram or mixedspecies.com. And he's a graphic, art- graphic artist and screen printer. Um, the work is stunning. You should definitely follow that account. Really cool. And thank you so much for your support. Um, I'm thinking I would maybe like to invest in some new equipment just to expand what I can do, take phone calls, uh, maybe have uh, the capability to record more than one person at a time, so a new interface. I also appreciate all the nice messages. So glad there's people listening and enjoying it. That's awesome. Um, And thank you for the suggestions. I am keeping a spreadsheet. Please keep sending them. Um, thank you, Brian, for your suggestion. Um, also want to say thank you to Eric, Eric with a C, for um, last episode I talked about the Zounds gatefold. Um, I had heard that record but didn't realize that it had such a cool gatefold. So I just want to say thank you um, for letting me know about that um, design. This is a really fun episode. It's really long, but you're going to love it. Um, it's Kurt Block and sort of um it kind of goes against the normal structure of the show where we start with a sort of little interview and then we go into the topic he sort of weaves in hypnosis throughout all of his storytelling and so it's really cool that um hypnosis really did influence him and it's uh it's a really organic subject matter because uh they were a big part of his life and becoming a designer and musician so um, hope you enjoy it. I also want to let you know that I've included two full 
songs from the new album by Kurt and his brother Al. Uh, it's called, the, well, the project is called Bad Scene, and you can find it on Spotify and Bandcamp and such. Um, the album is called Hate the World, It's So Romantic. It's all their favorite cover songs to play. So there's a couple full songs in this episode for you. And as always, I want to thank John Dwyer uh, for letting me use his song for my intro. And um, uh, that's John uh, from the OCs. This project is called Damaged Bug. Check that out too. Uh, Thank you everyone who is supportive and sweet. All right. Enjoy the episode. Why do you keep repeating yourself? Is a question often asked. Yourself. Yourself is often asked. Yourself is a question. Why? 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 Please, please answer why. Hello. Let's just start. Let's get wacky wild. Why do you keep repeating yourself? Is a question often asked. Yourself. Um. Why do I lock myself out of my apartment? Um, hi everybody. I just went through an ordeal, uh, where I locked myself out and it's the dumbest, most expensive mistake you can make. So why did you do it? So I did it. So I would have to pay money that I didn't have put aside for that. Great. I love paying money for things that are unnecessary. (laughs) Mission accomplished. Ah. I just wanted to get rid of that money. Money. Money is the root of every evil. It's evil. I, I don't like evil. Um, so welcome to episode 12. Episode 12. One, two, three. One, two, three. Uh, we have as a guest today on Design Freaks Podcast, the podcast about album covers, band logos, etc. cetera. Uh, once again, joining us for the second uh, time, Kurt Block. Backed by popular demand. It, actually, you are. <laughs> I had a, a request one of my very few um, reviews on iTunes requested that you come back and tell more tour stories. Toy stories? Toy stories. <laughs> <laughs> I guess uh, stories about, uh, I'm sure they were referring to the fastbacks, touring days, but um, I don't remember. Um, so yeah, uh, people seem to enjoy that episode. Also, when I look at the analytics, it's very popular. Well, so. call, f- phone up. You know the number. <laughs> call, call in call and ask in. your questions. Pick up your phone, yell in okay. it. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hello. Hello. <laughs> no, I won't answer that question. How dare you? Why do you keep repeating yourself? <laughs> okay, so we have Kurt back. Uh, we're also going to talk about the design group Hypnosis, um, and it's spelled... H-I-P-G-N-O-S-I-S, which you could probably tell because you've clicked on the title of this podcast uh, episode, so you know that. But anyway, um, they are an English design group, two designers, one photographer. Um, So we're going to talk about them and all of their wacky album covers. Um, But I also just wanted to say hello. Hello. And I haven't seen you in a while. I moved out of Ballard. I'm now... Um, back in my old neighborhood. Um, can't say what building I live in, but. <laughs> but it's a classic. It's a classic. Um, Just look for the door that uh, is locked. And <laughs> in there. 
Look for the uh, the locksmith running away with all my money. Yeah, the satchel <laughs> full of cash. <laughs> um, he looks like the Hamburglar. Actually, I should have known. Uh, so, what have you been up to? Well, pretty much the same thing as always. Uh, just different versions of it. Recording people's bands. Nice. Working on guitars. All right. Playing loud music. Uh, what are some projects you're working on? Well, the last thing that I did that came out is called uh, Bad Scene. And it was a, it's a, just a CD only. There's only a few hundred of them that we made of me and my brother, Al. And I have one. <clears throat> It's right there. I can see it from here. That's what made me remind it. That's what that must be. What reminded me of it? Um, just me and my brother playing a bunch of um, late seventies era British punk tunes. Nice that we grew up listening to. And of course, we didn't set out to make a record. We just set out to have some fun. And we thought, you know what? This yeah. is, I think other people might like this as much as we did. I'm sure. I'm going to love it. Uh, so it's called Bad Scene. The band is Bad Scene. And sorry, everyone. Puddles is scratching on the cabinet where her treats are kept. Yeah, imagine that. Puddles. Come on. Um, so the, the album is called Hate the World. It's so romantic. Puddles. This is not as bad as Dave Hill's podcast where you can hear his dog drinking water constantly. <laughs> Well, he's got the most expensive microphones, so you know, the most sensitive, and hey, puddles. they pick everything up. She's like, I know you're recording. I'm getting unlimited treats. Like <laughs> I know you're recording. That means you're not paying attention to me. Bottomless treats. That ain't right. So let's talk about some of these songs here. You did Flying Saucer Attack, Outdoor Miner by Wire, of course. You did... Um, Let's see. What was your favorite song to record? What's the most fun to play with your brother? Oh boy! They're, well, of course they're all they're all you know. As far as we're concerned, they're classics from we were when we were teenagers. Mm-hmm. The uh, Ultravox Young Savage, Nine Nine Nine. Nobody knows. All right. Um, uh, Generation X from the Heart, Law and Order by uh, Stiff Little Fingers. Tank by the Stranglers. Oh, they're all they're all you know just just the the songs that made us want to start a band when we were when we were teenagers. You know, we just uh, you know like oh we gotta do this one. My brother would say oh we gotta do this one. I go oh, we gotta do this one. Next uh, thing you know, yeah. Then you have a bunch <laughs> of them, and then then I went and saw Stiff Little Fingers, and they did their first album all the way through. Oh, you mean recently? Yeah, yeah. It was like October maybe. Oh, wow. And so the next day I I wrote to my brother. It's like, we got to do Lauren. Oh, inspiring. Yeah. So what, how do people get it? Um, Is it in digital form online somewhere or? In fact, it is. (laughs) It it is. It did just get Spotify of late. Sweet. Um, Also Bandcamp. um, If you want. Yeah. If you want to just listen to it, you can listen to it. Bandcamp. Bad scene is the name of the band and um listen yeah. listen all you want you can buy if you so desire buy it get yeah. those uh, block bros <laughs> um so well the clicks matter right if people just listen does that matter how does that work i don't know cares. how does spotify work for bands <laughs> i don't know i don't care yeah, you, yeah. You, if you get uh you know Thousands of listens, you get a penny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I know. I mean, they, they, you do get a statement from you know, like from whoever administers your uh, uh, mm-hmm. you know your streaming mm-hmm. things, and and you can you know you get a lot of them that are one cent, two cents for every quarter. Whoa. You know, so you know, whatever. Keep uh, buying uh, records, everyone. Yeah, yeah. We, we, uh, stream, uh, I don't even have Spotify. I don't even turn it you on. You don't. It, it, I, I'm guilty. I I'm, have it. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not anti-Spotify. It's just not not my chosen way to listen to music. And I realize that I miss out on a lot of stuff that way. But mm-hmm. I still actually think CDs are fine. Mm-hmm. And especially if they have nice artwork and interesting mm-hmm. covers. and But, you know, LP records are my mm-hmm. are, are what I tend to listen to the most. Well, there's, a, there's actually a lot of experimental music and obscure music that's only available on CD. Oh, for sure. Because they're the cheapest and, thing to produce. So, right? right, right. As so bad scene, if we made two hundred copies of the CD, mm-hmm. it's like to make two hundred copies of an LP is yeah, no. going to be close to two thousand dollars, <laughs> and it's just like, well, it's just not that kind of a thing. No, and so there's there's tons of stuff that you know, and people are oh, I hate CDs. Like, why well, they're fine? <laughs> you just have to take care of them. If you're like living your life like a a nineteen year old, and there's like broken. Plastic jewel cases all over your floor. Well, right, right. And, and, and same with LP records. You know, <laughs> you don't have to. You don't have to be like, oh, this is. I buy two copies because I want to have one that's in perfect condition. <laughs> Always like, you know, just just don't leave them laying around. Yeah, you know, just just keep them out of the sun and get the you know buy a plastic sleeve for the LPs buy, that you like the best. In those you know, sleeves. It's, it's yeah. okay, you know, if it's worth buying a ten or twenty dollar LP, it's worth an extra twenty cents for a plastic. <laughs> Thing to, to keep it from getting wrecked. I mean, you do whatever you want, but mm-hmm. you know, we're not telling you what to do no, or how but, to live your life. But, but but records are special. You know, they're, they're they are they're cool and, and you know yeah you don't you don't have to don't have to go overboard with anything. But. It's not too precious, you know. I mean, I'm not afraid of ring wear. However, <laughs> yeah. but you know, the records sound better if they if they're not scratched. If you do put them away when you're done, but you know, as much as I say that, I'm guilty of. There's a record sitting out on the top oh, yeah. of the stack right now that's We've not had in its record sleep. parties uh, uh, at your house, I believe, mm-hmm. where you know things got. There's that one uh, New Year's <laughs> Day photo, I think, of you know the table next to the record player. Yeah. There's, there's, you know, how many 45s were not put away that night? You know, a hundred. I mean, the stacks of them. And, you know, I, I, I'm the kind of person that wants the record to go back in its proper... Proper sleeve. 45 sleeve with mm-hmm. the right brand name on it from the right uh, from the right era. I'm that kind of guy, <laughs> but I'm also not the kind of guy that's going to have a heart attack if one doesn't get put away right away. Sometimes you just have to spend an extra few hours putting stuff away right. Putting it away. Yeah. It's okay. It's called uh, housekeeping. You Spotify people wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> I've got to tidy up my playlists. Ooh, Actually, really? <laughs> I do have some old playlists I need to get rid of. Uh, no, it's not the same thing. No, um, not, not quite so much. <laughs>
introduce you because I just assume everyone knows, but this is, my guest is Kurt Block from the Fastbacks, from the Young Fresh Fellows, Sergeant Major 3, Full Toilet. We uh, have the Yes Masters. The Yes Masters, of course. Who are so look uh, all of these things up. Um, not just, but the, we were talking about Bad Scene, which is the newest project. Right, right, which is, yeah. you know, a, a, a sidestep and in a high quality sidestep. What else is happening? Anything of note? Uh, live rock shows. Okay. Fixing guitars. Yeah. Recording bands. Recording bands. You know, playing loud. The, uh, playing loud music of, of all sorts. Cool. Um, yeah, just same thing, just different uh, different versions of it. But, uh, yeah. you know, I haven't uh, picked up fly fishing or, uh, <laughs> you know, spark plug repair. or. Uh, <laughs> but, okay, so this oil is Oil recycling. Now I remember what me and Lars were talking about is that you're actually pretty great. You're an actual graphic designer, right? I mean, self I would think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Probably, I don't know how many record covers I've made, but... Uh, Amazing. So last time, I didn't even find out that you were... I, I thought you were just doing digital design, but you've done full print, like, all the records. Oh, absolutely. Later. I mean, since, since we started, you know, mm-hmm. back in the... Uh, in the good old, good old days. <laughs> you don't want to say. Oh no, I'm just, I'm just trying to think. What was the first record? The first, first record cover I. Yeah, did. let's talk about the first one you designed. Well, that's an interesting question. I, it, it's so hard to remember, but of course, the first Fastbacks record, mm-hmm. first forty-five. Um, absolutely, you know, I remember, I remember doing that. Hmm. Um. Was it with a photog like a photo, or did you design something artwork? It was a, uh, um, you know, the the idea was it was a uh, um, close up of the midsection of a, a guitar of an of an SG Special. Uh huh. Um, and you know, things it was the year was nineteen. 80, 81. Last century. And, yeah, well, yeah, well into <laughs> the old last century. And, you know, we're, you know, if you're 19 or 20 years old, it's like, oh, you don't know, you don't know how to go about doing anything. No. But I mean, like even <clears throat> discussing the, uh, uh, the uh, hypnosis and, mm-hmm. and the, the awesome record covers mm-hmm. of the, of the 70s, which sort of, or the set the standard for it set record the covers since then. Yeah, you know, because I mean, you could take most of things from the mid '60s, mm-hmm. and they're it's just not the same. I think that mm-hmm. uh, I think that hypnosis, if not, a, you know, I'm, I don't, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a, a necessarily, an, a, I can't nail the history of it, but mm-hmm. they were the first ones we knew as you know, record buying teenagers that the, the, you know, the covers, there was a company that made mm-hmm. record covers that were as cool as the music was. And, and if, if you saw, mm-hmm. you went to the record store and look on the new release, you know, shelf there and you see the new records and you're like, Ooh, that looks cool. 
And yeah. you almost just assume that you will like the mm-hmm. the music because, you know, it's like, well, it's that cool of, you know, mm-hmm. it's... It was, Even though some of their covers were criticized for not representing the music. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, you think but it, about they them. they looked badass. They were, they were yeah. an art company, you yeah. know, and, and I'm sure their first jobs were with people that they knew, the Pink Floyd and, and right. things like that. But then people are like... Wow, this is fantastic, and mm-hmm. it really, you know, is super cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want that kind of cover, and, and you know, even Hypnosis after a while, you know, made definitely made some wrong turns. Yeah, and did <laughs> the some... Gimp mask that we'll talk about later. <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't know if I <laughs> they know. had a Gimp mask um, designed, like custom made, because there was a sex shop next door to their studio, and there was an album. I'll pull. I'll pull it up and. Um, read off all the information later. I can't remember the. It's a weird name, but um, they actually the band hated it because <laughs> it was so sinister looking. Um, Good, but but, but it, sinister is what we love. It was attention grabbing, though. I mean, for I think it would be kind of edgy back then. But anywho, would you would you say that you were <laughs> my cat's on the table? Um, and in the cradle. Hey, get down. Uh, so would you say that you were, for that first Fastbacks record you designed, were you actually um, inspired by hypnosis? Do you think? Well, you, What inspired you? You couldn't not be. Okay. Um, you know, because those are, those are the record, those are the record covers that, you know, just meant so much especially you know i guess <laughs> i guess there was Puddles you know i wasn't the iPad. i wasn't buying records when a saucer full of secrets came out okay um but a little early you know, definitely the, yeah definitely definitely early but <laughs> you know by being you know 13 year olds or 13 years old or something like that you know you start actually buying lp records and and uh like wow, well, this is cool. This is cool. Well, you know, and there's you know there's so much more to look at on on LP records, and and you start noticing oh hypnosis, okay, mm-hmm. okay, that's cool. Then you see another cool record, and there was you know even ones that were trying to you know maybe not steal the same ideas, but take the same ideas and run or with them. or take the vibe. Yeah, take the vibe yeah. because that was that was seventies rock was. Mm-hmm. Those kind of things, and when they, you know, they started out, some of them were definitely a little more hippie sort of vibe and stuff, mm-hmm. and then they they got into the, you know, the rectangles and you know all the the design things. Oh, the worst that... Hawkwind cover with all the shapes. Oh, there were some shapes going on, <laughs> <laughs> grids. Yeah, but you know that 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 stuff was just you know that stuff just mm-hmm. knocked us out and yeah. And um, I was just looking at this list of. Uh, of hypnosis covers. I know, and my cat's and they, now sitting on they, the iPad. They <sighs> they didn't really go too heavy on like the punk rock records. No, because um, probably they're like, oh, you know, we don't want that kind of stuff on ours. Well, that wasn't their aesthetic either. Well, they, yeah. sort of, but then you know, like uh, like uh, I th- I'm thinking about Steely Dan can't buy a thrill. Like they did a lot of those wacky collage. They they worked with their. They had a photographer. He. I think the photography was just as important as everything else. I keep saying this on this podcast, 
but um, they kind of took his photos and kind of created this sort of weird uh, world with them using art and oh, absolutely. manipulation. Yeah. And you know, the, the photography, yes. And mm -hmm. then the, you know, the, the, the design elements, the, mm -hmm. like, I'm just, I keep thinking of the 10 CC, uh, uh, how dare you record. Oh, cover. was that the one with the slash through it? Like the, it was like, uh, uh, like split screen. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. And, and it's <laughs> fantastic. That. And you know, it, 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 it carries, you know, it's, it's just so well thought out. Okay. Puddles get And down. the, um. And the lyric sheet in, in inside has the design elements that uh, has a, a lot of the design elements that they definitely, you know, used throughout their their things. Like if you look at Al Stewart, past, present, and future. You look at the Ten CC record. You look at um, mm -hmm. I'm trying to let me let me have a quick look at this. Uh, Dirt parachute by the, the pretty things. But just the the, the typesetting and the um, you know, just everything about it mm -hmm. was so. Like, I, I don't think that before hypnosis got its mitts in, that like people did not people, you know, they they didn't actually think about type. They they thought about typefaces, of course, mm -hmm. but the actual typesetting of right. of things, you know, was equally important as the photography and as the. Uh, and it's the overall design and, and the idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, type is actually the, the thing that's most taken for granted, too. It's and, the thing that people... And it, it, it's just, you know, I, I understand there's, you know, now there's such a ability for anyone to make their own graphic design. And, and oh, we're making a CD. We can just make the cover ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it, it just... it. Not that there's not some good ones that are made by people on their own, but it's. It, I think that people don't really pay attention to typesetting enough. I mean, right. I, I, of course, I'm. A, I don't think so either. I'm I mean, typesetting. When you're into typography and you notice it everywhere, and you notice kerning, and you notice typefaces, and you notice um, all the little things and how people use. Photography, like for example, the Umaguma album cover, Pink Floyd's, how the typography is within the photograph. It's like a real thing on the floor. I'm assuming that they had to actually put the letters. Oh, on the, the letters floor. on yeah. the floor. Yeah, on yeah. the floor. I would guess that that's not uh, right. Uh, and put that's in, in post. No, and that's something that's very like Tumblr right now. That's like it's not a new idea. You know, it's this is something that. Um, people who are into typography experiment have been experimenting with for, you know, right, right. And a it while. Just, I, you know, it, it just points out the bad examples of things. and, and mm -hmm. you know, Yeah, you, you know when it's bad. Just, you know, <laughs> just to put an average picture in some lousy computer typesetting with your name and your record name on the front and... Mm -hmm. You know, not to say that that can't be a great piece of work, but, you know, it usually isn't. <laughs> <laughs> it usually looks lazy because yeah. it is. And just, yeah. you know, bad typesetting is is bad. Yep. And just because you can do it 
doesn't mean you should. Don't and that, but that should. doesn't mean you shouldn't try either because there's, you know, 10 million examples of something, some, a, a record cover design that should be terrible mm-hmm. and is great. Like <laughs> what? Can you think of one? Uh, well, I'm not sure. Okay, so we've pretty much transitioned talking about hypnosis. So I'm going to start um, kind of going through their beginnings here and kind of my show doesn't go too far in depth with anything it just introduces you to who's behind this stuff and then it the listeners can go off on their own and kind of I think the most in-depth episode is probably Barney Bubbles because I couldn't help myself but um I'm just gonna you know introduce who they were and like make you go whoa I didn't know that was all done by the same people because everyone's seen all of these it's insane um So Hypnosis was an English art design group based in London. Um, They specialized in creating cover art for the albums of rock musicians and bands. (laughs) Um, Notable commissions include work for Pink Floyd, T-Rex, The Pretty Things, uh, Black Sabbath, UFO, 10CC, the one we were just talking about with the split screen, um, Bad Company, Led Zeppelin, ACDC, Scorpions, The Nice, Paul McCartney and Wings, Alan Parsons Project, Genesis, Peter Gabriel, ELO, Rainbow Sticks, Al Stewart, so many more. I mean, the first one they designed was The Saucer Full of Secrets in 1968. So um, that was like their sort of first. I mean, it looks different than the others, too. And the, and, but also the music was different too. It, yeah. In nineteen sixty eight, things were still operating at a really hippie sort of, mm-hmm. you know, level. There was not the sort the sort of, you know, like you think of hypnosis and you think of prog rock as yeah. it's, you know, at least one foot in prog rock at all times and. You know, I would say that in 1968, the prog rock theory had not quite fully developed yet. Okay, and, I agree. Yeah, and so they were just, you know, it was just just getting, just just getting started. No, there. I mean there there's definitely a tapestry feel to this that they don't have in their other work. Um, there's definitely planets happening. <laughs> um, at what looks like it could be a UFO perhaps I'm not sure you'll have to decide for yourself but I do like the typesetting I do like the way they had the words bleed off the edge and continue on the other side I think that was pretty edgy even though it's a hippie sort of design oh, for the sure. rest of yeah, it yeah, yeah. yeah for sure they, you know the the, <clears throat> the the type faces and the typesetting and stuff was mm-hmm. you know clearly clearly going full force they were going for it man yeah. um And so anyway, so the early days were sort of, um, you know, lots of Pink Floyd. They did, they, um, a band called The Gods quite a bit. Hubble Pie Town and Country, which is definitely an early one without any type on the cover. Humble Pie. Yeah, so this is a portrait. It's it's similar to the one they did for Sid Barrett. So it it, it, it looks exactly right around the same time. Um, So if you... Look at that. I don't know if I have if I'm gonna be able to put all these up, but it's the um Humble Pie um Town and Country, Country. which if you compare that to uh the Sid Barrett Madcap, Madcap laughs, laughs, yeah, right. it's very similar. 
It was definitely Except a vibe. Except the Sid Barrett one is, is straight on in the town and country. Oh, it's at an tilted. angle. Yeah, yeah, it's tilted. Kind of makes you feel a little dizzy. Yeah. Um, Great record, see. too. Adam Hart Mother. Um, the Pretty Things Parachute, my favorite Pretty Things album. Um, that has the, it's the orange cover with the tulip. It's also a collage, but it's very bizarre. And the type is really weird. The, um, there's sort of an art deco font they use for the word parachute. And then pretty things looks hand-drawn. Was that the pretty things logo? I don't think so. I think that was just hand-lettered. Just a hand-lettered, um, piece. And then there's a tulip growing out of a road but that's also the ocean sort of dreamlike dreamscapey you know um i'd probably go and say that would be my favorite uh, pretty things record too. i mean i love sf sorrow but i just there's something about how the yeah. record all how parachute just gels together as one thing yeah it's, it's, a, it's just a, really well produced love great, that great band but man that is yeah that's, that's the one that's the one um the madcap laughs we already talked about i mean we could go on for hours there's so many records like i i encourage anyone if you just want to scroll and just have your mind blown by how much this uh group of three men got done um it's insane right especially from 1970 to 77 or something like that i mean mean, 1971 alone it's it's crazy it goes off the page um t-rex electric warrior which we all know the one with jeepster um the black and sort of like that weird uh black and gold gold goldish um which was also minimal for the time right oh for sure really weird um there was always even if they look cheesy there's always something kind of weird and different um but that's another thing that why they uh why they were important is there's always something you know, a little bit scary or sinister. Yes. Even in the ones that, like, even from the stuff that was left out, like perhaps Adam Hart Mother, the picture right. of the, the cow in the in the field. Mm, <laughs> okay. You know, no writing on it at all. And, you know, of course, by the time it got to the store, they would put a sticker on it that said what record it was, but... But that was a statement in itself to refuse to include. Right, right. And it's just, it just yeah. it tells you that this is an artistic project. It, it is. But that must have been scary for the label, but maybe not because the band was already known. Well, but, you know, maybe, you know, what was the first uh, album that didn't have. Well, you know, also, they did Obscured by Clouds didn't have any type on it by the Pink Floyd record, which was the um, soundtrack to that French movie, La Vallée. Mm-hmm. By Barbet Schroeder, Barbet Barbet, um, beautiful movie, kind of cheesy but awesome. I didn't see the movie, um, but yeah, this was the album cover. Yeah. Again, no type. Right, right. I think they added type when it. By the time it got to the U.S., oh. I, think, I think they put a circle on it. With okay, the, uh, with info, but it's fantastic record I cover. I love it. I love that movie, and it so perfectly uh, captures the aesthetic of the movie too. So they really did their job on that one. Not all the records, <laughs> not not so much all of them, but um, I would well, say did, that one. They did they did a, a fair fairly wide variety of things. Okay, not... for example, Olivia Newton John, <laughs> the album entitled Olivia. Yeah. Um, this was her second studio album, and in 1972, and they uh, such hits as What Is Life, <laughs> 
and my old man's got a gun. We're on this one. You know those Olivia Newton-John songs. <laughs> my uh, old man's got a gun. My old man's got a gun. <laughs> what would that be? I've really forgotten about that. Maybe it wasn't as quite a big a hit for me. No, no, I was kidding. Um, and then we have Ye Old Dark Side of the Moon, 1973, which they... Um, Storm Thorgerson. Um, maybe I should go back at this point and kind of let people know who hypnosis um was so there was storm thorgerson um and uh they're all from cambridge okay storm thorgerson aubrey powell and then later peter christopherson um who was also known as by the name sleazy uh so maybe he was the photographer (laughs) he was one of the original members of industrial records and the band throbbing gristle and um yeah go figure and he also participated in the formation of psychic tv with our lord and savior genesis peorage and jeff rushton and jeff later changed his name to john balance anyway we're getting off on a tangent here back to hypnosis um yeah so we had storm thorgerson aubrey powell and peter christopherson aka sleazy um, the group dissolved in 1983, so they started in 68, um, they broke up in 83, um, although Thorgerson worked on album covers until he died on my birthday, April 18th, in 2013. Um, Powell still works in film and video, and then um, blah, 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 and he's also the, the creative director for Pink Floyd uh, and David Gilmore. So those are the our characters. I would highly recommend. So one of my um, uh, sources that I'm citing here for research is the coffee table book that came out a couple years ago called uh, Vinyl Album Cover Art, The Complete Hypnosis Catalog. And it's just awesome. It has a foreword by Peter Gabriel. And they, it's sectioned off by, by eras. So you can look up, you know, 19, so I think the first era was like, what, um, 67. Yeah, so actually they started in 67. So, um, and then one of the quotes here in the first chapter is, our mantra was that a good design would always create interest, whether or not it had anything to do with the lyrics, the band image, or the music. (laughs) And that's exactly... That's what they did. That's exactly what I was saying earlier. Yeah. You always go up to that record and it's like, wow, that's cool. Um, Super cool. Um, then you'd look at it and, you know, like you couldn't always, like sometimes there would be a band picture on the back, but not always. And you'd always be really, really careful because you'd, you'd see the front cover and if it looked, if it looked mysterious and cool, you, you'd, I, I would think, oh, that's a record that I'll like. And then you, maybe you turn it over and there's like eight people in it in the horn section and, you know, <laughs> something like that. And you're like, oh, no. Maybe and, not. But if, and then, you know, sometimes, or you'd be flipping through used records because by mm-hmm. the time that I started buying records was a little bit later than, than their original, uh, the original launches. But, mm-hmm. you know, you open up the record and, and if there's, generally if there was three people in the band... Or four, and if there was, you know, like uh, 
three songs on each side of the record, or maybe even four, mm-hmm. if, then you'd know then, you know, then if the people look kind of tough and mysterious, then yeah. you'd know that was a good, a good thing. What if there's no write. photo of the band? Well, then you you look then you can look and see how many. Hopefully, would say who the vocals. Right, if there's the if instruments, there's, yeah. yeah. If there's you know if there's guitar, bass, drums, yeah. maybe one of those guys sang, or maybe there's a, a separate singer. Um, and if you know, we just, we're always looking for something that was a little more extreme than than the regular music that you know that you would hear. And, yeah. and you know, if there's three people and the songs were all seven and eight minutes long. You think, wow, that's pretty cool. And then if there was, you know, eight people in the band, mm-hmm. and then if, some. If there's a trombone, leave it alone. Right, right. Well, and, <laughs> and now, now my now my thoughts are different. But you know, when I was thirteen years old or fourteen, if you're looking was, for rock, and it roll, was definitely yeah. that. You the heavier. <laughs> you know, you just want to find a record that was either tripped out and so weird, or yeah. something that was heavier than all Get Out. And who know, is it just, that has really, uh, like? Uh, misleading album covers at Jethro Tull. There's somebody that has super cool record covers, and then you listen to it, and you're like, "Oh, I guess there's a lot of." A yeah, lot I wouldn't of... <laughs> include Jethro Tull because I Is love it? Jethro Tull. But, okay, uh, I'm sorry. Well, we just got have, in our first fight. You don't, you don't have to like <laughs> Jethro Tull. But, uh, I don't um, know if there was any hypnosis Jethro Tull records. That's an interesting. But uh, whoever did his, I think, if that's who I'm thinking of. Um, I God, I love all these. I get this There's coffee table Dunbar book. Record Ainsley there. Dunbar with the two, the double water reflection. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just things that it's just art. It's it's packaging. It's art. It's typography. It's just oh, it's so good. Um, yeah. So there's tons of stuff. Here's that. Uh, oh, is this like the that. back of Umaguma with all yeah, the yeah. instruments on the road? The, okay, that's the right. Touring party and the timpanis and whatnot. Ameri- the original American version of this. Yeah, wait, wait, I can't the, hear you. Sorry. The uh, the GG record is 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 not there. Oh, it's really? Out. <gasps> yeah. Why? Oh, copyright maybe. Yeah, it must be copyright yeah. or something like. That. You know what? I never noticed that they're in different positions as they go inward. Yeah. Uh, okay, look up Umaguma if you haven't seen it. Um, that's crazy. See, the thing about their work is you can keep noticing stuff. Yeah, yeah. Over time, um, yeah, yeah. Know, it's, it's 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 made it's made so that you can keep looking at it as you're listening as you're listening yeah, yeah. like a cereal box. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's the best kind of packaging. It's Wish so I had good. that record too. The trees record that I would, is I would, so creepy. I would love to have the great record too. On the shore also- by the trees. Get this book um, if it's still in print. Uh, complete hypnosis catalog. So fun to look at. Um, we're going to take a little break. Um, I'm going to put something weird here. Speaking of weird. I'm going to um, put something weird here. Who knows what I'm going to place here. We are back and we are currently flipping through the book, eating pizza. And the trick to Kurt Block is never stop recording. <laughs> <laughs> because he just told me 10 things that I wish we had here, but we'll, we're just kind of like flipping through and noticing all the the qualities of um, hypnosis designs and, I don't know, just noticing um, things we've never noticed 
Um, we were kind of talking about that 10cc split screen record and noticing that I never realized that he had the handkerchief over the phone. I just didn't look that closely at it. He was disguising his voice. There's so many things that were not, Mm -hmm. you know, you you just, there was so much thought went into every little bit. Like art direction, almost like cinematic art direction went into it. Absolutely. Yeah. The UK Danger Money LP. (laughs) It's just a fantastic, uh, a fantastic piece of work. So wait, okay. So you were going to say what went into, you you said, speaking of the first Fastbacks design. Oh yeah, the first Fastbacks 45 is a close-up of a a guitar. Right. That is, um, that has a halftone screen on it. Ah. Now... Just flipping through this book, it's like clearly the UFO Strangers in the Night album cover. Mm-hmm. You know, we we had no idea what to what to do, but the 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 idea of having a photo screened image blown up is you know sort of disconcerting in a way. Mm-hmm. And and looking, you know, the the UFO record cover that is in very much very colorful. Mm-hmm. But we were also, we were sort of trying to, you know, in some way doing the same thing, or at least that was our our impetus. So what was this, the name of that 45? I'm trying um, to... It's your birthday. You know, your, your first ah, book, yeah, you just great. try to do your best with with what you have. For any you know. non-designers listening, halftone means the newspaper dots. So that way when you do that, you can blow something up bigger because it's now... Right, but it's what you yeah. used to have to do in mm-hmm. order to prep a photograph for uh, offset printing. But the typography for the word fastbacks, was that, um, did you always use, I'm noticing that was like your logo, right? It was a... It was, it's hand lettered. Right. Oh, okay. um, And um, no, no, it was not a logo of any sort, even though that would be the idea to make it mm-hmm. look like a logo, but word mark perhaps but yeah i'm noticing it's different in a lot of places but i think maybe it's mm-hmm. similar in the label and then mm-hmm. when we made a compilation album of our early 80s songs i actually found the original artwork from that 45 mm-hmm. and uh, there was the piece of overlay film that was knocked out of the front cover uh to be printed in yellow, I found that, so I just scanned that and used it for oh, the wow. uh, for the uh, the comp album. Oh wow, history, folks! Is that yeah. a beer can? A beer in can. the corner. Where's that? This. What is this? No, no, that's the uh, the No Three. It's a No oh, Threes okay. Records badge. I cannot see anymore. Okay, so we have the halftone guitar, the fastbacks in this really nice mustard yellow, and then up in the corner. That's also half toned, even though it's all the, yeah the, the the all the black all the the the, mm-hmm. the the art there is 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 one photograph. It's not uh, it's, it's not one a photo. So the the no three what was that? That was the no threes was our record label. Was the label? The so you, that why didn't you keep that logo solid? Was that intentional? It, the, it, the 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 no threes logo in that photograph was a, in the photo. Was in the photo. Okay. It's, a, it's a badge that was on the. Uh, uh, Strap. Strap. Got it. Okay. <laughs> and if you look at the uh, bad scene CD, it is also on No Threes Records. And oh. that same logo will be found on that record 40 years. However, 40 not years half-toned. Later. And 
I wouldn't recommend you have tone your logo, but I'm sure it was solid on the back of this, right? Somewhere. At some point. Okay. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, man. it's not because I'm looking at the back. Oh, there's Kim. It's your birthday. That's so oh, yeah, that's sweet. Oh, that's an insert, actually. Oh, the that was back. the insert. Okay. So this is uh, the back. There's the back there. Yeah. It is there. Okay. There we go. And, you know, you could not say that that back cover, it does not have a nod mm -hmm. to the geometric shapes and... You know, it's, I'm going to say it's not very good, but <laughs> it's, it is almost no. a testament to the hypnosis. It's actually fabulous. School. I love how this shape goes behind and in front of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the layering done was sophisticated. I love the yellow lines. Yeah, it's yeah. very, it's, you know, it's very not, cool. Not bad for some kids. It's not bad. You know, it's actually who, really who, nice. Who at that point had had very little experience getting anything printed. Yeah. So we have the No Three Record Club, and back then you would put information also on the back. So it also says uh, send a self-addressed stamped envelope for info, and it had a uh, address. What was whose address was that? It says No Three's Records. 4602 Northeast 103rd, 103rd Street. Seattle, Washington, 98125, USA. That was my parents' house. That was your parents' house? Do they? I hope they don't still live there. <laughs> nope. Okay. Well, whoever lives there, send them stuff. Um, yeah, send them a self-addressed stamped, stamped envelope. <laughs> a self-undressed stamped <laughs> elephant. Please, for the love of God. So we've got Duff McKagan on drums and vocals. Um how do you say Lulu's last name again? Garjulo. Garjulo. Um, on guitar and vocals, Kurt Block on guitar, and of course, Kim Warnick, shout out, vocals and bass. So um, this is great. How long did you have this lineup going? Mm, that particular lineup, mm -hmm. I suppose Duff probably quit by the end of 1981. Well, why would that be? <laughs> Okay, so Duff quit by 1981. Um, by the end of 81. He probably started late in 1980. Mm -hmm. I believe I was the first drummer. Okay. And then Duff came over while we were about to practice. And he's like, you know, why don't you let me play drums for a little bit? And you play guitar, just see what that's like. Because you're, you're, you're a great guitar player, but you're not very good on drums. So maybe I should play some drums for a little bit. Um, but then from that day on, mm -hmm. I didn't play drums ever again in the fast. Back. He was just perfect. Well, uh, while he lasted, but then there was never any talk of me going back to drums <laughs> from that day. Very forth. politely. Oh. They just never talked about it. Again. That, that topic, that topic never came up. <laughs> Sorry. So, <Kurt. laughs> um, so how did you all meet? So you already knew Kim. Who, who already knew each other? Kim and Lulu and I went to high school together okay. and, and junior high, uh, although I didn't know either of them in junior high school, but okay. uh, by high school time. You figured uh, out you'd been there all along. Well, yeah, we figured out we'd been there all along. And we also figured out that like by the time that uh, music started to be an important thing, I mean, music was important to all of us individually, mm -hmm. but... I remember, um, and I was just speaking to Lulu about this the other day, 
Mm -hmm. Um, I took a photography class in high school and um, it was maybe a day or two after the uh, 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 Iggy and Blondie played at the Paramount Mm -hmm. in 1977, 76. Um, And, you know, she was in the the darkroom printing pictures of Iggy and Debbie Harry. Wow. I was like, what? You know, I didn't, we didn't think that anybody, I didn't think that anybody that I didn't know would even be aware of Iggy and Blondie. And here's, here's this girl, like. This girl in school. Yeah, yeah. Printing printing pictures. And I was like, whoa, did did you go to that? And then, you know, then next thing you know, she's printing all these other pictures of rock people. And I was like, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. You, you know, because. That was not popular music in high school in mm-hmm. 76, 77. What was popular? I don't know. Do you remember? <laughs> Computer Frampton or something like that. We're still waiting for him to come alive, folks. All right. <laughs> well, there's a Hypnosis Peter Frampton record cover, there's, too. What did they not do? I mean, um, so how did Duff get involved? So you guys already knew each other through school. What was up with him? Right, right. And, and I, my first band with my brother Al was the Cheaters, who started oh, right. in we talked late about 1977 uh-huh. and uh, broke up in uh, uh, Halloween 1979. And um, the drummer for the Cheaters had left his drum set in my parents' basement. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, he was drum set down there. And, you know, me not having a job and being a, you know, 18-year-old dumbass like oh i don't play drums uh-huh. so start banging around on the drums and then i thought oh well kim and lulu are my buddies from high school and they always talk about wanting to play music so uh you know maybe come over and let's play music mm-hmm. my parents were very happily very tolerant of all that and that's sweet yeah. that's awesome so we'd go down there and 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 practice music and then mm-hmm. um you know, the, 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 the Seattle music scene in 1979 of even, you know, anything that would that had a full foot in punk rock was not, you know, it's still pretty underground at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, like going to the shows as we did, mm-hmm. you get to know the other, you know, hands full of people that. That are into it that are, and that are playing. Into the, yeah, yeah. That, are, that are either playing or want to play. Yeah. And um, so next thing you know, we're like, you're hanging out with the, let's see, was the Veins, I believe, was was Chris Edding, Duff, and hmm. uh, Andy uh, Fortier. The Veins, how did you spell that? V-A-I-N-S. All right. Um, and they were a Roosevelt High School band, and we were mm-hmm. Nathan Hale uh, Ooh, rivalry rivalry for sure but <laughs> by that point nobody was really going to school so it didn't really matter yeah <laughs> there's not much in the way of high school rivalry wait what grade were you guys seniors or well i was out i was out of high school by oh. then and i think duff and andy but these were... are kind of like how you knew the groups of people right right there was okay most got it. high school people okay, there, was okay not, got it. there was not too much of a nathan hale high school group of people but there, there mm-hmm. were some people that, that ended up being in bands and i you know but uh, I think the Roosevelt was a better known. Why is there no band called Nathan Hill? <laughs> Nathan Hale. <laughs> the, well, we we could we could be called the Nathan Hale Raiders, which was the Ooh. name of the football team. 
so, you know, it's just like, oh, well, these guys play music and, you know, we maybe saw their band or maybe not, but, you know, mm-hmm. like, it's like, okay, well. Um, and then I think Kim and Lulu were living in a house over in uh, um, Ravenna, mm-hmm. which was just a few blocks from Duff's mom's house. Okay. And so, you know, I think that's where that all came to be. Like, okay, you know, this guy that we've seen at Whoever's Chinese, close by. Right, right. Well, I mean, you, you know. <laughs> Did anyone have a car? Or, uh, yeah, there's, yeah. There's cars. We had to get to gigs and yeah, stuff. Yeah, okay. You know, there was, there was enough, enough cars to make it work. But. It's just funny because when I grew up, like in my neighborhood, there was only one friend who had a car. Like it was the one person who got it first. And we'd all just pile in. But the friendship sort of formed out of who was near each other. Oh, for sure. Yeah, geography Because if, you know, if you lived in in White Center or Mm -hmm. Burien or anything like that, you just, you might have lived on Mars because (laughs) nobody, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know, you know, and. You kind of have these little clans going, yeah. And, you know, if you're 18, 19 years old, there's a lot of sitting around. I mean, why we didn't have jobs and how that could be, Mm -hmm. not quite sure, Mm -hmm. but, you know, we're just hanging out hanging out hanging out you know and and you just you know the Duffin was down the street so he'd come up and I think that was the house he was like let me play drums for a second ah without any grand did you have was there a moment where you were like I no I want to play drums (laughs) did you almost say no no okay no because it was just like I'm sure why not and then as soon as we started playing, it's like, oh, yeah, you're right. This is much better. This oh, <laughs> see, you're you're so, like, you don't have the ego to, like, sabotage a band. Like, you're just so well, easy going. Well, especially then. I mean, I think, I think I wanted to be the drummer in the Fastbacks because I wanted to play drums. Yeah. And I wanted to learn how to play drums. And Lulu But and you I, were willing to let someone else play that role. Sure, sure. But, you know, then we'd already played some shows as a three-piece with me on drums and and it was fine. Yeah. Um, but, you know, at that point, probably didn't have any visions of being a proper band or yeah. anything like that. You know, you're just kind of screwing around and seeing what could happen. And, and you then know, you'd, you'd love to have a band that was kick ass and cool, but there was no there was no map to follow to right. do that. And the bands that ended up being popular and the bands that got the good gigs, mm-hmm. you know, we kind of despised because they were, <laughs> you know. Like who? <laughs> well, uh, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. I mean, like, the, but the bands that tried hard and, you know, there's mm-hmm. lots of top 40 bands back then. Oh, and right. a lot of bar bands and stuff like that mm-hmm. that played, dun, 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 you know, just kind of lame, you know. What was that? Genre? What? Just rock and roll. Oh, you know, okay. from 1979. Right. Okay. You know the, the, the like, and and the the people who were touched by the Ramones and mm-hmm. the Sex Pistols and the Damned and the Clash mm-hmm. and things like that were still few and far between mm-hmm. in this in 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 this city. So it was it it wasn't the same. And 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 you know we would try to get shows and you mm-hmm. know try to get as good a show as we could and there was no there was no real punk clubs mm-hmm. there was the uh the gorilla room 
Did we talk? Was, we talked about the bird one, right? Last yeah, the bird. The bird was, uh, you know, nineteen seventy eight. Okay. The gorilla room was probably nineteen eighty. Mm-hmm. So the fastback stack. Where was the gorilla room in town? Just down on Second Avenue. Wow. Uh, down near Pioneer Square. Okay. And it was just a. You know, just under the radar enough so that we could get in not being 21. Nobody really checked ID, you know, if you... Good old days. If you, (laughs) you know, if you had, if you had 50 cents, you could buy a beer. Wow. You know, it just, it just, nobody cared. It was not interesting. You know, no, it was in an area that nobody really went at night. And so it just just flew under the radar for a year or so. Old Seattle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. So wait, when did you realize that you, were were you like, oh, I am good at this. I'm good at guitar. I want to be a shredder. (laughs) (laughs) You know, probably, you know, it's, it's so hard to like put my, put myself in the mindset of of the 19 year old me. (laughs) Or the twenty-year-old me, or, or whatever. Well, you were no longer hung up on the drums. I see. Right, right, right. I played guitar to begin with, and oh, then I, I, I wanted to okay. learn how to play drums. So I thought. It would oh, be a, a I thing. thought you started out on drums. Okay. No, no, I was okay. the guitar player in the Cheaters for right. that, that okay. whole, you know, two years or whatever that. that right. did. And you know, you, you you think you really do want to be a shredder? You know, you like <laughs> you practice constantly. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing else to do. You could do your homework from school. That's Ugh. fine. Have dinner with your folks and then you know, go outside and run around if it's nice out. But it's Seattle, so it's... <laughs> Never nice out. <laughs> There's a lot of time. It's never nice out. It's never nice out. Um, there's a lot of times that it's not ever nice out, so you just sit there and... <laughs> You know, practice playing guitar because it's what you want to do. And it's a and, thinking man's city. We do indoor <laughs> activities here. We're thinking. We're reading books. We're playing music. Deal yeah. with it. Yeah. <laughs> go climb rocks somewhere else. Go. <laughs> Stop moving here. Go kick rocks. <laughs> go kick rocks. Go hit some bricks, man. Too but many then you know, at some town. point after Duff had started playing drums, they're like, "Wow, this band actually is kind of killer." You know, maybe because he didn't have any theory that it was going to be a good band you just get together with your people who it's possible to play music with mm-hmm. and and then all of a sudden it's like huh but it gelled like a, you did yeah. you feel a gelling happening yeah, yeah for excitement sure. okay. and then then you know you play a few shows and people like your band it's like well this is cool and that's okay. motivating right yeah like, absolutely yeah. oh that's so great when was your how far from when you started the band was your first tour like how how much did you just play locally until you decided? Well, probably, um, well, actual tour, probably not until 83 or 84, but right at the v- very beginning of the Fastbacks, maybe mm-hmm. even the first year, mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure how this came about, but we ended up being friends with uh, the people of Vancouver, BC, mm-hmm. uh, DOA, the Subhumans, oh, okay, and some of the, those some people, of the, some of the punk <laughs> bands uh, from there, and we loved the Pointed Sticks. We loved mm-hmm. uh, you know the, the Modernettes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we loved the we loved the bands from Vancouver, and you know it was it was it was it was kind of tough because we weren't 
we didn't sound good enough to be a bar band. Mm-hmm. You know, we we're just abrasive and loud and, you know, and so we didn't, we weren't accepted by that at all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think some of the, the, the punk bands liked us, I think, okay, but we were a little too, you know, sing-songy pop music for... So you were living in a world of too abrasive for bars, but too poppy for punk. Right, right, for the, okay. for the, for the real punk rockers. Yeah. Um, and then somehow the Vancouver scene liked us a lot. And I think in 1981, mm-hmm. the year 1981, <laughs> 1981, 1981 we played we played more shows in Vancouver than we did in oh, Seattle. That's awesome. And I just look at the calendar and I was like, wow, we went up there like every three or four weeks. We'd go up there and play a weekend at the Smiling Buddha or, you know, one of the one of the clubs up there. Sweet. Are those any of those clubs still there? Well, Smiling Buddha is still there. Okay. Um, and I think it's been closed for a while, but uh, I was up there uh, oh. in December, and I believe they're they're it's it's in in effect to uh, to reopen. What was it? Uh, uh, did ownership change hands? Is it? Do you know the story? Uh, I do not. Okay. Well, uh, we the, okay. The, the, the 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 basis of our story is based on Igor, the doorman at the Smiling Buddha, ah. who. Um, uh, what was the, uh, like? I, I had a different idea of the doorman than everybody else up there. Um, you know, like uh, their quotes for I- Igor the doorman at the Smiling Buddha was some something like "No ID, no ID, no something or other, or something." He something, had a something. he had a line. But, yeah, yeah. Well, his line for me was "No in the rights." <laughs> and I'm wait, like, was he Scottish? I <laughs> uh, was Welsh or Scottish oh, or something okay. like that, and you know, very. <laughs> big authoritative man and uh, you know if you didn't have your id you were not getting in there but it was you only had to wait be they didn't have a stamp pad but you no only had to be 19 to to uh to get in so that you're was out fun. stamp technology or <laughs> yeah except well he he just might have been, he might have been hip that, to that yeah you know? he, he liked been, it that way he was he did his job very well and uh, I was just laughing. It's easier for, me, for him. For me, the quote was, no in the rights. And for everybody else's quote was something about ID. And it's like, no, 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 it was no in the rights. <laughs> Why no, did no, he yell? But maybe he was just yelling that at you only. <laughs> right. It could have been, he could have been singling me out. I mean, but, you know, we spent, we spent a lot of time in that well, You were in Canada, so he was singling you out. <laughs> you see, I got singled out. Oot. Don't single me out. But he never said sorry. Sorry, ma. Oh man. Okay, but, uh, so you went to Vancouver a ton. Um, did you do like West Coast tours? Did you ever how far did you go? Probably in those early years. I think probably our first uh foray. I mean we, we probably went down to uh went down to Portland and mm-hmm. you know, did some odd things, but the first time we actually went on a road trip I believe was could have been nineteen eighty four. Mm-hmm. Um, we we opened some shows for DOA. Wow! Did they have the chainsaws going on stage? Uh, uh, I don't think they had a chainsaw. <laughs> what was that song? Uh, 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 Lumberjack City. They might have had Lumberjack I, City. They came out point. with chainsaws ablazing when I saw them at Emos in Austin. <laughs> I've, I've only seen them that once though, so I thought that's what all their shows were like. But. I, think my, I think Lumberjack City, they had okay. the chainsaw for that. <laughs> oh, but they were like, oh, do you want to do these shows? And they had been a hard touring band for all those years. And we we're like, oh, yeah, wow. of course. So, you know, we get in the band. Get were in you the band stoked? And, 
Oh, absolutely. Wow. And did those shows and, you know, played with the Circle Jerks and played with... Uh, They're coming to Seattle. I know, yeah. coming back. And, I'm, and, I'm informing you now. <laughs> you know. And the last time I, uh, the last time I spoke with Keith Morris at the off show at the, uh, uh, the Corazon, mm-hmm. you know, we were laughing about the shows that we played because he has a has a memory like a steel trap, oh. obviously, and uh, told stories of the one show that was with with uh, Circle Jerks DOA, Tales oh, wow. of Terror, and us in uh, 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 not Oakland in um, San Francisco, San uh, uh, Sacramento, ah. and uh, he told me stories about that he was out of his mind at that show, blah blah blah, blah. and I oh, was like, God. And, and, <laughs> which was which was funny, but then he starts going, he started telling me, but what about that show in Vancouver we did? Da 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 da. It's like. I forgot all about that. Oh, you know, some, man. You know, just, uh, you know. Yeah, story. I love when people remember better than me. And it's like my friend, um, I just saw a friend from New York recently. And he reminded me that uh, sometimes whole years are like a chunk of time will just be a kind of a blur. Oh, for sure. It'll just be like, oh, it was around then. You know, and you'll have like a general idea in your mind. But People who remember all these details, um, it was crazy because it it all came back to me. It's always helpful to have um, a friend, especially someone who remembers that far back. Oh, for sure. And, and, you know, someone like Keith Morris, how many shows did the Circle Jerks do? They, they a million. Hundreds and hundreds millions and hundreds. Millions and millions. And, you know, it's, just, it's, it's great because mm-hmm. one little detail can bring back the whole oh, the, Everything the whole else. Yeah, that's yeah. what I meant to say is that... Bobby, yeah, he brought up one thing, and then I remembered so many more things. Right, right. So, and, yeah, you know, that's that's what's great about rock and roll stories is you know, and it, you know, like you, oh, I forgot that I saw that band once, or yeah, you know, I forgot that uh, you know, I can remember the record store that I bought UFO Strangers in the Night in, oh. and what else was going around. Oh yeah, let's flip time. through the book and, randomly, and, 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 and so- um, so yeah, we're just gonna randomly flip through the hypnosis book i do want to talk about the xtc album at some point oh yeah yeah because it's such a weird thing and it kind of touches on what me and lars were talking about the last episode episode 11 when we were talking about interactive albums where you the the um uh, what do you call the person who buys the record the listener the I buyer don't, the buyer the buyer they would they would have to do something like we were talking about what was the record with the brown paper packaging oh led zeppelin in through the outdoor exactly i'm not a led zeppelin fan so sorry but i don't know all the records but apparently part of um uh it was it was intentional or it wasn't intentional that it was watercolor ink oh it was very much intentional but oh. they just didn't tell anyone that the inner sleeve was printed okay. in Various watercolor inks that looked to be black on the on the printed inner sleeve, but if you took a wet brush and went over the thing, it would you could color it in. Yeah, I know. I remember the coloring books where the ink was built into the oh, yeah. to the um, outlines of the drawings. So if you took a wet brush, you could like have the color bleed into the white areas. So that's so funny that it wasn't even like part of the. They just waited for someone to figure it out? I believe so, because, uh, like, you know, it not being the greatest of the Led Zeppelin 
catalog. <laughs> but I mean, if you're in high school and there's a new Led Zeppelin record, of course it's they'll buy know, anything. It was, but I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was well talked about and well, you know, get well, your British American blues, folks. Well <laughs> listened right to. Up. Well listened to, and um, and so the first person that figured that out, you know, was like. Oh, dude, look what yeah, this does. That's you know, so whoa, fun. Dude. So, in the hypnosis book that we're flipping through, it has all the different variations of being black and white and where somebody had um, actually taken advantage of the watercolor. Yeah, got in, in yeah. colored it. And the six, colored it in. six different front covers right. of the thing that was obscured by the brown. By the brown paper, so you didn't paper, know which right. one you were going to get, which is fun. It also reminds me of Barney Bubbles' um, Ian Dury wallpaper record covers, where he did like 50 different record or wallpaper designs on uh, oh, sure, sure, the sure. Yeah, yeah, Ian yeah. Dury. What's the name of the album? I'm going to edit that out. Yeah, yeah, um, the, the, the wallpaper. The fragment. wallpaper one. Um, anyways, so there was, I like when there's a lot of different for one record. Well, different right, designs. And, you know, the Pink Floyd uh, um, Wish You Were Here is classic. Oh, classic. Hypnosis. Yeah. And so let's get back to the XTC because I was talking about interactive design. So they had, um, it was an all, it's a black cover with white text and it looks like um, typewriter text. And part of it was missing. And in order to fill it in, you had to take the poster, which was it um, quarter folded? No, it was just a, it was a twelve by twenty four, so it was half. Two, okay, so it's folded in half, and you have to unfold the poster and complete the. If you wanted to read, if you want to read all the credits as they were intended. I mean, it's a lot of text, but it's even if I didn't read it, it's still cool that you can complete the design with another. Oh, and element. also the the uh, oh, there it is the. Um, Mm-hmm. Sort of the the joke or the the crux of this record cover mm-hmm. is all the hypnosis records before then were based on photography. Yes, and they're based on something a little creepy, right? And very little text. I mean, the the the, the that is the joke. The type yeah. is always very well thought out, and the mm-hmm. the logos and the. Band names and stuff. Lots of squares very, and circles and outlines. Very well thought out and everything. Mm-hmm. And on the XTC record, which came out, I believe, in like 1978, yeah. there was no photograph. It was just black with white right. type. So and they, that's all there was. So it was... It's like a, it's like an ironic statement about there being pigeonholed. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. And, then, and then the back had a, uh, you know, a, a chunk of the type missing. I just missing love that, that, was, they, that they... they User the the buyer has to interact in some way in order to read all the liner notes. Right. I think it's cool. You have to sit it down there, and um, then you then you get the full then picture. Then you get the full picture, and the, and the poster itself, mm-hmm. um, which is you know twelve by twenty four, mm-hmm. has a you know unfinished type on it. So it wasn't hard to figure out what you had. Oh to do. right! But the back cover with the chunk of missing type. Uh-huh was very clearly missing, like letters were yeah. cut in half and stuff. So then it's like, So yeah. you don't know that this is inside. And then when you see it, you, oh, like, okay. But it's the poster, for those of you who aren't looking, um, these are the headshots of the band yeah. members of XTC. Classic, and it's uh, very cool. Classic. Really good portrait photography. Um, yeah. 
So anyway, and also we were noticing earlier that the the center, the record centers also are covered in type. It was just like kind of over the top on purpose. Right, right. <laughs> as, as, as they were known for, but in a total left turn from their normal. Like uh, opposite town. Yeah. It's welcome to opposite town. Welcome. Population you and me. Um, so this, also we were going to talk about the Hawkwind cover because it is the wacky Hawkwind cover because obviously I've done the Barney Bubbles episode and then that, um, there was that kind of later album that Lemmy's friend designed. Um, I don't even remember the designer's name. I'm not doing a good job right now, but, um, this uh, album cover really stood out, but you're telling me that when it came out, you weren't upset that it actually did fit the music. Oh yeah, the the, the Hawkwind Quark Strangeness in Charm. You know, we had all the Hawkwind records up until that point, and then this record comes out, and it's like, hmm, it's a little bit different, but mm-hmm. but we still liked it. And then listening to the music, it, it it took me a while to warm up to that record because it was it was a a, a definite switch of direction switch. for the band. But also, why weren't people upset? Okay, so the one I didn't, and the reason I don't remember the artist is because I don't like it. Because it's not Barney, but it's the Warrior on the Edge of oh, Time. Yeah. I mean, it's just so cheesy compared to Barney Bubbles' work. Like his Disagree. work was so I think that epic. Cover is awesome. Ugh, it looks like uh, you'll know that you'll know it's time to turn the page when you hear the bell. <laughs> it looks like the Hobbit. No, disagree. I think that record <laughs> cover is fantastic. Okay, compared to X in Search of Space, compared to even Space Ritual. Yeah. You know, you can, you can, it's, it's not the same. I mean, you know, and. I, Look I'm, at this, Kurt. I, I know. I mean, I've, I've, I've spent a lot of time looking at Hawkwind record covers. I know. You've looked at it way more than me, but eh, I just don't and, like it because of the story, I think. And I always kind of didn't like it even before I knew the story. But anyways. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that record cover, and I like Quark Strangest and Charm too. Which, if you will notice, mm-hmm. look at look at that, and look at the UFO Wait record cover that was very much. Oh, and the iRobot, iRobot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same. And the lights out by UFO is yeah. very similar. Yeah, and you in, know, uh, yeah, and are they all shot it in weird interiors? Because this is the Paris airport, I believe. <laughs> that was some. It was an airport. There was. And it's it controversial. It could be uh, cut up and, and yeah, uh, it's it's been manipulated and there's overlays. But I wonder if that was their, like, if this was sort of um, uh, a similar like a family of designs that they were using the real interiors. Right, right. I mean, I I sort of doubt that this is an actual interior it's as not. it stands. No, it's, it's not. It's very well. It's very well done and and. Even though I didn't what like this it? record to begin with, but what I did that? spend a lot of time no, looking at the record. No, I think that might cover. be real. Is that like a giant computer? Yeah, well, I think it's supposed to be, you know, something like that. But I think it's uh, are I they? Oh, all and, right. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I get swept away. I have a feeling it's it's not exactly. Although the the uh, lights out one does look like a like a steam plant or something like that, and it's. Its creepiness is generated in in other ways. What about the um, the eponymously titled Hawkwind record? Um, when was this from? This one. The first here. one. Yeah, the first one. 
That wasn't Barney yet, was it? I think that was, yeah, I'm not sure. But I like it. Oh, yeah, to me, it's it's not scary in any way. So (laughs) it was one of the last ones that I got because the Search of Space and Space Ritual and Doremi, all those ones are are scary you know they're they're they match the music very well yeah. and i thought oh that first one it can't be as cool as the rest because the cover is the art is a little bit different and then you know finally you get around to getting that one and it's like oh this is killer there's there's another thing that to me is interesting about the hypnosis design studio mm-hmm. and that is i think at some point there was, you know, a fair amount of backlash towards that style of mystical, whimsical, yes. yet scary and, and off-putting, you know, balance of, mm-hmm. you know, something seductive and something terrorizing in the mm-hmm. same image, you know. Um, that is the that is the combo, too. Right, right. Like, yeah. lights out by... UFO, like, mm-hmm. what's actually going on there? <laughs> but, um, you know, growing up in the 70s and, you know, buying lots of these records, often on the strength of the record, cover itself. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, the, you know, probably kind of parallel to when punk music came out in 77 78 Mm -hmm. a lot of the bands that existed before that and had the art record covers which we liked so much tried to shift their image a little bit and a lot of these a lot of the style of record covers sort of went away right and that always happens though when something gets saturated, right, right, but and and but and then the same thing sort of happened to the music too. Ooh, Lamb lies down on Broadway. They, well, they, fantastic, yeah, record yeah. Cover. yeah. I mean, great. like uh, you know, being in high school and seeing that for the first time, mm-hmm. it's like I can't believe mm-hmm. there's so much to look at and and classic hypnosis, the mm-hmm. inner sleeves and everything about that record cover is. Right. Is fully uh, is fully hypnosist. Hypnosist. It's a verb now. Um, and, you know, and then to see a band like uh, the Genesis stuck with the the hypnosis sort of style for 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 quite a while, but then mm-hmm. you know maybe uh, Duke or something like mm-hmm. that was the first Genesis record that was not hypnosis. At well, that the point. first one the in the beginning. Was kind of that one-off with the old English lettering on it. Oh yeah, yeah. Then, 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 then yeah. the uh, then the the uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Peter Gabriel. No. No, no. The uh, the the artist that did the oh. next to. Uh, I don't know. His name is Whitehead, I believe. Oh, okay. Who did the paintings for the next the next? Oh, the paintings. Two okay. records, mm-hmm. but um, starting with. Uh, Wind and Weathering. Wind and Weathering yeah. was was one of their la- later ones. Oh, but, oh, like once the once, it's almost the trick of the tale. Trick of the tale also yeah, okay. was one before that. Uh, but the once they stopped with the hypnosis covers, and it's it's almost like bands around the late seventies made a conscious decision to, okay, we're going to have something a little bit more down the center where you know yeah and and then they the music sort of did the same thing 
and oftentimes you know beat me being a teenager and buying these mm -hmm. records you're like oh well that doesn't look right <laughs> i'm not gonna buy that record but look at this one this is yeah. this is cool this looks tough and weird and scary and yeah and, so and, you're used to it yeah you're, so point. you're used to it and you don't like it when it was just a simple picture of dudes in a band on the front cover it's like no no that goes on the back cover no like i love this nazareth album Oh, totally. That's it's, so... it's absolutely And it's art. Hypnosis. It's like, it's like it, that you could see that hanging in a gallery. I mean, without the typography, but like all the photos, all the treatments of them are art pieces. And then with the typography, it becomes packaging for a product, a, you know, an album. But it's just like the combination of those two things was their signature. Right. So and, cool. And the black and white photography with the yep. weird dodging very and burning. Stark. And then very Black, blacks, white, whites. Yeah. Off, Off-putting contrasts mm -hmm. and stuff. And Off-putting. Um, it, it just adds a bit of creepiness. And there's, you know, something a little bit, something that tells you to come here and something that pushes <laughs> you away, too. You know, it's... it's Attraction it's, repulsion. Yeah. yeah. I, guess, I guess you could say that, yes. <laughs> Speaking of art not matching music, um, about the crazy compilation they designed um, for Charisma Disturbance, uh, it's a, is that the name of the label? Or is it called, is the label Charisma? Charisma is the record label. It's the label. record label. So the, the comp was Charisma Disturbance, Disturbance um, 1973. Um, the... I would say give it a goog, but I'm going to post a photo because it's one of my faves. So it was a compilation they were commissioned to design the cover for, and apparently there was a sex shop next to the design studio, and they had a gimp mask, a very disturbing-looking gimp mask um, custom-made for them out of, it looks like, patent leather and studs and zippers and such. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great things about hypnosis. At a certain point, there's like a cheesy level that um, that you can't tell if it's, uh, you know, ironic or sarcastic. Oh, you uh, know that there's there's probably a lot of sarcasm and, and lots of yeah. laughs going on behind the scenes <laughs> for a lot the of these. Uh, Throbbing gristle, sessions. 20 jazz funk greats. I yeah, mean, which is... You know, it's one like, of the most known. How can, you, how can you go wrong with that? It's, you know, I, and of course, I remember when that came out, I was just like, what? You know, oh my gosh. Just, you know, I mean, I'm sure that as, as creepy as some of these things were, that they were laughing their heads off when they were right. doing like, just, how can we make this more creepy? Just the most at, like exaggerated shadows, but like you can't really achieve it digitally. But anyways, again, everybody, um, check out this book if you can. Uh, it's really fun to flip through and go, oh, my God, yeah, that. <laughs> Read the stories behind them. Read the uh, Charisma Disturbance story. And um, I don't know. Uh, what else did you want to talk about? Kurt? I feel like we've been <laughs> at it for a while. What time is <laughs> There's it? lots of talking. Ooh. There's lots of We can save something for next time. Yeah, let's do a, a part two or... Or maybe we could pick... Or part three for that. Pick minute. a couple albums, hypnosis records, or pick... Yeah, do something... Um, well, it would be part three for Kurt Block, but a part... Part two, hypno two I, hypnosis. I could, I could go uh, pull out a bunch of the records and bring them. And Let's could, do that, and we could check them out closer 
Um, yeah, because I mean the book is cool. Yeah. But it, you know, it has just you know tiny pictures of some of them that uh, that yeah. the insides of which and the typesetting and the the construction of the record covers is is so fantastic mm-hmm. that it deserves. If we open it, yeah, inspection and further yeah. inspection. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Okay, that sounds cool. And we don't even we barely get into their typesetting and stuff God. because a lot of that is on the on the back and the insides of the record covers and yeah, and they were what you know definitely what inspired me to care about yeah typesetting. We also didn't get into each individual's background, so this was kind of a broad introduction. Maybe next time we'll delve into each person a little bit more. Um, and talk more about the typesetting and the Eh. details, the minutia. The minutia thereof. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much for being here on this crazy day where you literally, you came to my door like five seconds after the locksmith left. (laughs) It was like a sitcom. I I didn't know, well, of course, I didn't know exactly where I was going. And and this man comes walking by and... Gave him a little nod, and Ugh. it's like, oh, huh, okay. Well, I'm dumb. Okay, um, yeah, but it was it was great to see you because that traumatic experience had just happened, and it was it helped me put everything in perspective. And um, I don't know, yeah. Um, any shows you have coming up or social media you want pe- to direct people to or nah, a website? You, I asked you that last time. Right, I no, I was no. just going to say if if if. if, if <laughs> If you want to find me, I'm easy to find. Yeah, just Google it. <laughs> uh, I'm easy to find, and I usually write back if I can. Just go knock on his door. Yeah, my address is 4602 <laughs> Northeast 103rd Street, Seattle, Washington, 98125. Self-undressed, stamped envelope. Elephant. Elephant, stamped. Damn it. <laughs> um, yeah, so thank you all for listening, and please uh, write a review. I don't know. It doesn't really affect me now, but someday I might want to gather up all my data or something. So tip subscribe. Your, tip your bartender. Send me some Venmos. <laughs> <laughs> Venmo each of us yes, several please. thousand ducats. I just had to pay an insane amount to get my lock broken and a new chintzy doorknob. So. Um, you could have almost kicked the door down and bought a new door for that. Bought a new, oh my God. Kurt, you're right. I could have gotten a door at Home Depot for less than I paid today. Anyways, um, there's a donate button on the website, signfreakspodcast.com. And I think that's it. Just be killer. No blind spots in the leopard's eyes.